Welcome everybody to the Movement 8, 8 Talks podcast, uh, the road to CIO, and I'm lucky enough to have Giles Lindsay, the current CIO of Citago, chatting to me today. Giles, welcome. Hi Richard, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Very good. So good. My, uh, my my first my first opening opening gambit is always um, tell us a little bit about your journey uh, journey through uh, through your career to to that kind of CIO role, please. Yeah, no worries. Um, I'll do it very quickly. Uh, it's been a journey of about 27 years so far. Uh, degree in software engineering in the early 90s. Uh, graduated as a you know graduate engineer, became a software engineer, senior software engineer, team lead, tech lead, engineering manager, head of engineering, VP engineering, and then entered into the world of CTO, CIO, where I am today. So I've over that period of time of 26 years, I've done that sort of traditional corporate ladder. Bizarrely, uh, I never mm. thought I actually would, but uh, <laughs> I have. Perfect. And um, and in terms of when you started to make that leadership transition and that leadership journey, um, are there were there specific challenges that you faced then, or or even that you face now in your current in your current position? Just from a, I guess from a from a leadership perspective. Hopefully not now, but back then, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I suppose, you know, I came from a background in the 90s of looking at my CTO, CIOs at that time, who were very command and control, micromanagement, bureaucratic as well. And, you know, you do what they say. And uh, at times it felt like, you know, you put your head above the parapet, you'd get it shot off. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the challenge with that is... As soon as uh, you are given that opportunity to do a management role, what do you do? You start emulating those people that yeah. have been your bosses and I suppose perversely the mentors you had doing it wrongly uh, you know, over those years. So I, I remember distinctly coming away feeling, hang on a second, what am I doing? Yeah. I'm behaving like the people I don't want to behave like. Uh, and it, I, I don't know whether it's through a level of os osmosis or something like that, but you end up actually just taking on the persona of the person who was your boss previously or your boss's boss, wherever that is. So for me, that was uh, a real challenge. And I suddenly had to do a lot of inward reflection. Um, what was great, though, is at the same time as this sort of technical journey, I was also going on that agile journey, you know, I'd started working with Scrum and DSDM back in the 90s. I had then obviously been through the transition of the Agile Manifesto in 2001. Sometime mid-2000s, I became a Scrum master, then a Scrum coach, and then an Agile instructor, ultimately, to, to where I am today. So wearing that second hat changed my leadership style. And that reflection backwards, I'd looked at how leaders need to behave in that agile world rather than purely in that technical world and realized mm. I needed to change. And so I suppose, actually, that second track to go alongside the technology of agile as well really changed my leadership approach in terms of how I've got to where I am today. And that's why I said at the start, hopefully not today. Hopefully not now. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but uh, definitely in the past. 
Yeah, and and there's um, there's been um, there's been a dramatic shift, hasn't there, in uh, in leadership in leadership styles and leadership principles from from when you first first started out as a as a team lead and first got that that kind of leadership responsibility you know the advent and and arrival of kind of authenticity vulnerability uh, and you know all of these principles that now you know leaders are, are, are revered by um, that that was that was something that the leaders of late 90s early 2000s you know when when I joined the workforce as well that those were not principles that your leader showed at absolutely. all absolutely absolutely yeah I, I I totally agree I, I I just think you know we've had a bit of a cultural evolution I wouldn't necessarily revolution but we've had a cultural evolution with you know better ways of working coming into organizations the whole you know, change of style that, you know, this agile movement brought to technology mm. organizations had to change things culturally. And that meant leadership styles needed to change. And a lot of these leadership styles have been around for a very long time. You know, uh, I always try to say I'm practicing a servant leadership approach. Robert Greenleaf's seminal book from the 70s was about servant leadership. So it's not as if these management and leadership styles have not been around for a very long time. They have. You know, mm. they're as old or older than I am. So, you know, it's just that they weren't necessarily mainstream in organizations. And today they are. Uh, and yeah. that's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there anything specific about the agile movement, if you like, that you that you feel changed your leadership style, or, or, or are there other principles and philosophies that you that you lead by and, and, and follow by that that align? Yeah, I think I think the the coaches and the leaders that I've you know tried to sort of follow in their approaches seeing how they do it is what i've now aspired to be like today and, and have done for the last 10 20 years uh you know it really is trying to uh, empower people give them as much responsibility and accountability as possible not to do any level of that micromanagement let that organic creativity happen within organizations and for me that's really really important so, you know, I try to live by those, this this kind of mindset, attitude, ethos change that, you know, happens with better ways of working in an organization that actually has to systemically come from the leadership. If they see the leadership right from the start behaving like this, exuding those behaviors and attitudes as well, happy days. Yeah. And, and how did you... How did you feel making making that transition, um, making the transition from kind of hands-on operator, uh, developer, engineer, whatever, to to more of a more of a leadership more of a leadership role, and and how did you how did you adapt to that, um, and and I guess pick up the skill set quickly. Um, when, when you uh, took that role question. That's a great question. Um, I think, I don't believe I was necessarily the best engineer uh, over time. Right. Uh, uh, 
I've, you know, I really enjoyed my engineering. I, I still sit and tinker with Raspberry Pis and IoT devices, right? So yeah. I'm still keeping my hand in, in some Python or some C today. Okay. But the point is, you know, I, I think that's that's a cracking question. I think through the school of hard knocks uh, mm. of, you know, actually making mistakes and then having to sort of pick yourself up, dust yourself off and, yeah. and learn from it and kind of go, or oh, you know, don't want to do that mistake again. Uh, fail mm. fast, succeed faster. I also had a great mentor uh, a number of years ago when I had a technology uh, director role and uh, as a member of the Exco really guided me in sort of how to step up from that uh, technology senior director role into a world of you know the C-suite for example mm. and uh, yeah I, I don't think I would have necessarily achieved the same transition as quickly if, as it hadn't been for him in fact actually what he did was brilliant because he hired me to come into a role to do a digital transmission, better improved ways of working in the organization, bring in better yeah. leadership. And he just let me do it. And it genuinely, he kind of went, there's, there's your group. There's your 80, 90 people all over there. Go and have fun. You know, and I was absolutely petrified. I remember standing there on my very first day now, completely hands-off, <laughs> devoid of doing any code, standing at a town hall and kind of looking at this sea of people in front of me and then suddenly realizing, wow, okay, you know, I've now got to do this. So yeah. for me, it's, I think it's trial and error, learning, mentorship as well. And that's why today I like doing that mentorship back to other people. Yeah. Uh, that's very, very important for me. You know, certainly started doing a lot more of it while we were in the, the pandemic and lockdown because I had more time, obviously sat in front of a computer at home to do yeah. a lot of that coaching and mentoring as well. But it's very much part of all of the change I bring to any organization that I work at today. Yeah, and, and that that principle of uh, finding a mentor or discovering a mentor, whether it's on purpose or whether it's by accident, is a, is a consistent trait of, of all of the people I've spoken to about this kind Fantastic. of road to CIO. There, there isn't one person I've spoken to yet who hasn't had that mentor figure. Uh, like I say, whether it's by design or whether it's whether it's on, you know, uh, whether it's by osmosis or, or, or yep. whatever it might be everybody everybody has had that so is there knowing what you know now and having lived through what you've what you've lived through is there a piece of advice that you would give to give to yourself kind of stood in front of that town hall um or at another point in your career that that would kind of put you in put you in good stead um I'm not one of those people that necessarily does a lot of that sort of reflection. If if I did, possibly listen more okay, right, to yeah. the people who are guiding you. But then that's a double-edged sword, right? Because listen to people who are command and control, bureaucratic, micromanagement in, in behavior, you're going to do things wrong. Yeah. So uh, I don't necessarily think there would be much I would change apart from listen more and, and probably try and work out who the 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 real champions were mm. who helped shape your career rather than the detractors who were you know limiting it in some way through their own uh inherent problems with leadership so yeah. the challenge though for me today is 
I don't want those future leaders to behave like the leaders I had. I There's this sort of real world expectation today in 2023 that technology leaders should be those future mentors and coaches as well, and that they shouldn't end up behaving in a bureaucratic way for those people that they are responsible for to actually look up to them and go, that's how I'm going to behave when I'm a manager or a director yeah. or a member of the C-suite, right? I think there has to be an inherent change so that all of that goes away. Le true leadership then comes from that sort of servant leadership background, that coach, that mentor, that advisor, that guide on people's careers, and that the next generation behave like that and the next generation behave like that. So we totally eradicate, you know, any sense of true command and control and micromanagement in the workplace. Yeah, and 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 I think, um, you know, I, if I think back to my own my own journey to you know uh, owning um, owning part of part of the business I work for now at Movement Eight, you know, and, and coming up through quite a hardcore kind of sales sales environment, um, and that is that is you don't you don't get more of that kind of um command and control than in than in a sales environment um and and the evolution of leadership in in those in those types of industries um has has meant different different types of people have now become very very successful leaders you know uh in in environments that 20 years ago they just would not wouldn't have had a look in because of the type of there was a very regimented um, uh, there was a type where right? you you became a leader if you were a certain type uh, and it was always true to type um, whereas now I think we're more welcoming of different styles you know introverted Diversity. leaders yeah yeah and, and people who aren't the loudest in the room are now still considered fantastic leaders because of the work that they do with the individuals in that coaching, mentoring, development capacity. I totally agree. I would not have survived doing what I do today 20, 25 years ago. I Some of the CIOs I've had who, you know, were, were never in the office or would just sort of walk around the, the building, uh, you know, shouting commands and smoking cigarettes and whatever, you know, you know just this yeah, level yeah. of they're, they're somehow up in an ivory tower and you're not allowed to get anywhere near it, yeah. as opposed to, you know, truly where we are today, uh, where I think you have to have, you know, a mixture of introvert and extrovert qualities. Mm. You've got to really appreciate uh, a level of diversity in everybody you work with and work for. There has to be proper inclusivity as well. Uh, and so that's the stuff that's important. You're right. Leaders today, I don't think necessarily would have survived 20, 25 years ago doing it from, you know, when I started my work. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, was there was there a moment where you kind of thought, right, I want to I want to attain that C-level role or I, I want to be the um you know the most senior person in this in this function or, or did it just did it just snowball grow organically and 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 this is where you've kind of ended up i think it snowballed more organically than anything else the opportunities yeah. came around for then me to actually give it a try step up into that c-suite all those years ago uh, and obviously you know perpetuating that continuing that today is what i love doing 
but I really do think there was probably a catalyst that helped me get there at that point of time. You know, having led agile transformations, evolution, change programs in organizations as well as a senior tech leader, I always hit a ceiling. So when I was uh, a team lead and a scrum master, I'd always hit the ceiling of the head of engineering. Couldn't go any higher in the business to ex execute change. You know, when I was a head of engineering, the ceiling was always at the VP of engineering level. Never could get any higher than that. So I couldn't mm. bring the change to other parts of the organization. You know, when I was the VP of engineering, director of engineering, I always had then the CTO or CIO. And I, again, all the way through these organizations, you never were able to get past those ceilings of those people. You weren't allowed to sort of bring about the positive change and impact you had across your capability that you were accountable and responsible for to other parts of the business. So I always aspired to that point in time. I wanted to be sat at the top table so that I could actually influence and execute that change holistically across the entire business bring yeah. about change for good across the entire organization bring about better ways of working bringing about better ways of interdependability as well in the business and now i've got that today i can bring my peers on that journey uh, yeah. you know i i had uh, in the last round of coaching i did I had the CTO actually come along on the whole 10-week course, wanting right, to okay. actually grow and learn uh, all about better ways of working and how he can then uh, champion that uh, within the technology capability of the organization. For me, that's fantastic. That's actually saying my peers and colleagues at the C-suite really want to be engaged, get involved with, lead this change, this transformation, this evolution from the very top down, not have any ceilings or little silos somewhere within the organization mm. that's not being influenced by this change. Yeah. And and did you, as you, as you progressed there and, 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 it, and it kind of, you got to VP VP of engineering. How did you how did you know the timing was right to take that next step? And, and I, I again, I my career and background is is wholly different to yours, but the but the principles are the same. And I, for me, totally. For me, it was um, it was when I found myself questioning questioning decisions and maybe thinking I just I don't know if that's the right the right way to approach it uh, and not necessarily having conflict but just believing that there was a, a different and a better way to do things and that was when I knew okay I think I'm ready to make that kind of step up. I think it's a very similar thing for me the mm. fact that I'd seen this change happening at different tiers all the way through my career as I progressed and the more senior I got and the, the sort of the influence of change to culture mindsets attitude ethos within the organizations of the areas I was responsible for thinking this has to get applied to the entire organization we have to have change uh, we cannot yeah. continue to be operating I've had some you know bad you know CIOs CEOs in my career I've had some great ones as well and when I sort of look back and look at the, the two different types I really sit in there thinking you know I really can do this job now you know, this, yeah. is, this is, I should be giving this a go. You know, this company, they did it wrong. This company, they did it right. This company did it wrong. I've got the learnings now uh, and I've seen what change can bring. So let's give it a go. So yeah. it was great. That first step up into that world was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And look, no, 
nobody who gets to um, C level uh, or, or to to director director level um, has has had it all plain sailing, right? There's uh, there's there's always there's always some mistakes along the way. Uh, there's always uh, you know failing fast, all this sort of stuff that you talked about earlier. So what what do you think is the biggest mistake that you've made and, and what were your learnings from it? I think the biggest mistake I probably made, and it was, yes, it was a mistake. Yes, I could have influenced trying to fix it more, but again, it was one of these ceiling uh, challenges. So I led uh, a very successful agile transformation in an organization that the 12 months previously, the sort of technology product capability delivery engine of the entire business had delivered 12 product leases in a 12 month period. Um, we then set a KPI the following year, once we had introduced all these new ways of working, better approaches, fragile delivery, uh, and we set a KPI of 35. We thought we would try and triple what we had done the previous year with the new ways of working. In fact, actually, we were so worried, we took one number off the 36 and actually made it 35. So we thought, let's go shoot for 35, just under three times the amount. Four and a half months, we had mm. done 35 product releases. 12 months later, we had done 109. 12 months later, we were in the 200s. Uh, right. You know, it was we had changed hearts, minds, culture, brought in a proper sort of DevOps environment as well, DevOps culture in the business, better deployment processes, and uh, we were just accelerating. And this was fantastic. And people were engaged and brought in. The problem I had was I didn't get an opportunity to engage with the C-suite and the leadership team to take them on the journey as well. So yeah. there was my downfall because at some point the business started having real friction with those uh, new ways of working. It was actually sort of showing up other parts of the business which weren't delivering as effectively as well, which was a bit of a no-no, couldn't be seen to be, you know, the business to be yeah. operating like that. They invariably got rid of all of the agile transformation. They got rid of my boss, the CTO. They got rid of the CPO. They got rid of me. They got rid of product owners. They got rid of uh, coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And the following year, they delivered 13 product releases. So, you know, and that's because, you know, uh, just really they didn't want this thing. They couldn't cope yeah. with the, the, I suppose, the f speed, the freneticism, the impact that this was bringing. They wanted to go back to a level of command and control. So I always say is the place where I had my best success and actually my worst success all in one because yeah. I never got an opportunity to take the leadership team on that journey. And if I had, who knows where we would have been. Yeah, yeah, ab ab absolutely. Um, and, and that just, you know, just demonstrates the role of leadership, leadership in technology now and how that's evolved. You know, previously, it was all about the technology. And, and again, the evolution now is business leader. Um, and, that, um, and that just demonstrates that point. Um, Fantastic. It's been really, really good to hear about your journey to uh, to the CIO role. And thank you very much for spending some uh, spending some time with us. You're very welcome. Thanks, Richard, very much.